Hey, uh, I want to take a stab at thanking uh, you that have helped, those that have helped over the last two months. Uh, when we had our first service in here, and we're still tweaking things. I mean, we got to suspend our speakers and kind of rearrange some things to get the sound to the back and not blowing up the front rows here. And we're, we're working on that stuff. We're, uh, as far as tweaking things, we'll have, to, we'll have to, so be patient with us. I appreciate that. But I was so exhausted when uh, the first service here on the 16th of July that I couldn't think clearly when I mentioned a few thank yous. So that's always a dangerous thing with so many of you helped along the way. But so I, I just kind of wanted to mention, especially on the moving outside, I wanted to start with Stephen Townsend. He's not here this weekend, but it, it felt like we, we could have hardly done it without him. And uh, Alyssa Soriano uh, was a machine. She would initiate and recruit and keep us moving. Carol Ortega was always uh, thinking about how she could help and what else we needed and have people eaten um, because I didn't have time to let people eat. I needed them to keep moving, keep working. And uh, Megan Alberico was real involved in helping us get, sell some of our other furnishings since we moved to a smaller space. And we also had like, what, six office suites all designed and decorated that now we don't have offices here. That front booth is my office now where I've been riding on Fridays and working on Saturdays. Right now, we've been able to store all that stuff right through this door, but, I mean, it looks like an episode of Hoarders through this door here, so it's not, I'm not proud of it. So once we get completely set up here, then we'll have to have a, another rummage sale of some sort and keep getting rid of stuff. But uh, And then Matt uh, Cole and the state uh, troopers were a real blessing on the moving outside in the initial phases of starting to work over here. Um, we made a little time-lapse video of uh, the teardown, because I, I wanted to say thanks to the many who stayed uh, after our last service at the other church. Is it running yet? Three, two, one. Can we have the music down? Can I keep talking over the top of it, Jeff? But they can watch the stage being ripped apart. It's kind of cool. kind of fun. Um, so uh, a lot of you stayed throughout the afternoon, helped us uh, clear out offices, stage furniture down to be moved out. Every person who helped, helped make a heavy load uh, more bearable. And can I say, it was fun to uh, move the concrete countertops and have Josh Drews there. <laughs> yeah, you know, I remember grabbing the concrete going, Josh, you grab that side. And then I'm, I'm like, me? And these other two guys will grab this side. <laughs> and uh, so uh, in the park without a home for a couple weeks, uh, it didn't worry me too much, but it, it did make me grateful that we had a little chapel rather than setting up and tearing down in some random gym, gym every week, which was something I was thinking could be in our future. Um, and so thank you to those who helped pull off uh, a barbecue in the park and then uh, taco feed and and service over there. I loved it. Um, here in this new location, as far as our new space is concerned, um, I'm, I'm not going to mention every person, and I'm going to miss names, but it, it was a big group of people that were here for the demolition and tearing down of walls, uh, filling the dumpster. We filled, filled a great big dumpster, and then we filled it again with sheetrock junk and uh, all kinds of stuff. We recycled the metal from the walls that we could here, and, and, uh, but we stripped off the vinyl, we scraped, we scraped, and we did more scraping of this floor here, trying to get it down to the concrete where 
We're not done with this floor yet, but I don't know. It's kind of cool. I like it anyway. And, uh, but we're going to continue to work on this floor, get it ground down the rest of the way, and do a cool clear coat over it. So we'll make the floor cool in time. But, uh, but with all that scraping and grinding, I know, we, I know we lost a few church members through that, but, you know, <laughs> it was the price. <laughs> no. Uh, but <clears throat> we hope that each week we'll get a little more done. Uh, my, my, goal, my goal was kind of have us fully kind of operational in the facility by September 1st, but now Rich Alberico's leaving for a month, so what? Oh, Rich, did I say Alberico? I do that once in a while to you guys, don't I? You're always sitting together, Alberico's or, uh, and or, Ortega's and Soriano's. They sound like an, a, 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 a mafia crew, by the way, that fan. <laughs> don't mess with the Soriano's or the Alberico's or the Ortega's. Okay. But anyway, Rich, Rich is leaving for a month, so now I'm, I'm less confident that we'll get everything done, but in time. It doesn't all have to be done in a day. Uh, thanks to Russ Pankinen, who brought his A-team framers in and at no cost to the church and framed all the new walls up for us. Um, I know uh, I could have done it, but they wouldn't have been as straight, and, uh, and uh, I wouldn't have trusted your children in there as, as, with the confidence I have when Russ is working, but... Matt Vandentop, uh, Rob Dielstra planned and executed a huge electrical project, probably a fifteen dollars to $20,000 electrical job that, that we got done for about $7,500. Uh, we've paid about $5,000 of that, so, and, uh, so we have $2,500 of that to go. Uh, we owe some money from, to the subs that, that worked on it, but they're in the commercial world. You know, they're pretty, it's pretty normal, 30 to 60 days for uh, commercial stuff. So since we're not paying rent here until September 1st, we're, we're applying aggressively uh, our offerings towards this uh, small renovation. So we haven't had to go to the bank. We don't want to increase our debt load. Our debt load from our startup, our startup loan will be taken care of in our first 26 months here. So uh, we'll be debt free and, and really able to give dynamically. Uh, Jonathan Wildeboer helped not only tear down, but then we moved all the stage stuff into a semi. He took it out to his place and stored it. Then he modified the stage pieces uh, and helped do this artwork uh, with the stained glass up here and our current uh, uh, platform pieces. And Doug and Jonathan, uh, Doug Osbert and Jonathan came here and installed it. Uh, it was a big, big thing to have off of my brain. Thank you to all the painters. I was here one time just walking down the hall, and it was Don Osifert and Alyssa Soriano and Megan Alberico and Carol Ortega and Wendy, and I'm sure somebody else was out there too. Anybody else was in that row painting? They redid the whole hall again and were painting the rooms of the kids, and a bunch of the state troopers helped us with painting. I think the cleaning crew for the last, on July 15th, there was about 25 or 30 people here, so... Thank you if you were one of those. Um, and thanks to Allison, who always uses her design gifts for the church. Uh, she's always uh, a blessing. Um, Rich Ortega, I know you're not about getting awards, and it's not about who worked the hardest here, but um, uh, you've been a godsend to the church. Not only what you've done from demo to finished carpentry uh, in the kids' area, the kids' Uh, the chapel tech things. It seemed like whenever we couldn't figure something out, people would go, Rich! And he was doing something else, but he'd run over here and help us do it like this. And then he'd run over there and run over there. Rich! And uh, so... And he'd say, yes, that was the good thing. So when I was real tired, I would go, Rich, I'm not sure what to do here. And then he'd go, Here, let me show you. And I go, Ah. 
Joan, I got a break now. Um, but uh, built countertops, furniture, the kids' check-in area, that furniture, that, that countertop and that entry counter, he built that from scratch and stained it that cool gray and did the floors there. And so I kept calling that Rich's, Rich's world over there so I could let go of that and not worry about it and focus on other areas. Um, but your commitment to finishing up a long list of little things in, uh, through this project helped uh, me to not be overwhelmed. I never thought I'd meet someone who could work circles around me on a project that I was working hard on, but Rich, uh, all the time working his full-time job, leading a global communications company, uh, he put hundreds of hours into this facility at no cost to Falls Church, and I want to thank him and everybody else who helped us out. Thank you. And one more thing, just to embarrass Rich a little further, but someone asked him nicely, you know, why are you working so hard for Lance? And Rich said pretty quickly, it's, this is not Lance's church, okay? It's, it's our church. And uh, that meant a lot to me. And uh, so, but by the end of the summer, we'll have completed all the areas and have a nice home base to build ministry here in Sioux Falls. Um, Davey probably, and, and the tech crew there, with uh, Jeff Burning, they probably have their own list of thank yous they'd like to go through, uh, people who made it a priority to serve and prepare for the transition. Um, when all is chaotic, uh, Jeff is always calm and uh, <laughs> productive. So, Wendy, you have a great husband. You must uh, get a lot of help from him uh, with your kids, too, because kids make sure your life is chaos. Yay! Um, but... Great, thank you. Uh, youth like Caden, Eric, Ethan chipped in at crucial times. Other youth were recruited by the youth pastor that had to do, do jobs, and so he found out if he could get the youth there, his job got done quicker. This is a good youth pastor right there. Okay, but uh, thank you to the staff as well. Lots of over and above service from Davey, Jesse, uh, um, Carly, David, to our teachers, Rochelle, uh, showing great patience even though for like a month now, we haven't had kids' rooms and spaces for a while. The leadership team took on a lot of extra work uh, through this process. Uh, Matt and Molly Vandentop, Carl and Krista Palmberg, Jim Lawson, Brooke and Chad Tyson, and Joan Wrench, who went without a husband for six weeks in a row. I think my mother-in-law called it Joan's sabbatical and thought it was a good thing. But I like how... Pastor Dave said a couple weeks ago that we've been worshiping in this building over the last couple months, but it's just that worship took on a different form. And uh, lifting up holy paintbrushes and, and lifting up holy brooms and mop buckets, um, kneeling before the Lord with scraper in hand, uh, clapping as projects were completed or when the sound system started finally working, then few hours before our first service here, and singing to the Lord as we work together around this uh, simple campus. Um, sometimes God is shining through our lives, and we're even unaware of it. Uh, that happened to Jacob while he was resting, and he was on the run from his brother Esau, and he lays down in the dirt on a hillside, and the Bible says that he used a rock for a pillow. So when you're for, feeling sorry for yourself, by the way, and life's got you down, imagine a guy laying on a, on a, in the dirt 
and he pulls up a rock for a pillow. Um, and uh, I like firm pillows, though, but I've never quite gone that far. And while sleeping, God gives him a vision. And when he awakens, Genesis 28 uh, says this, When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And may it be said of this place, may this house be a, a house of uh, God. May it be a portal uh, into uh, eternal and um, dynamic spiritual things where God works uniquely through his people. May the neighbors that we are in the parking lot around this, uh, these buildings and the park and the parking lot realize that God was in this place, um, and they didn't even know it. And may God give us a unique calling in this community through this new season of our church. Amen? Amen. So I know that was a big thank you, but and um, if I didn't mention your name and you worked extra triple hard, um, and you injured yourself like Levi for the cause of the gospel. But Levi gets injured all the time, doesn't he? He's, he's a good helper, but he's, he's dangerous. Didn't he get injured at your house, Dave, too? Yeah, yeah he did. He's a, good, he's, a, he's a good kid. He keeps coming back for more punishment. You know, he's not, he's not, he's, he's just like number 12. He's going to get punished all season right there. All right, well, let's stand together. If I forgot your name, uh, it's not just a, it's not a manipulation of the text. Uh, the gospel, Jesus' words were very clear. What you do in secret and that no one recognizes, God rewards you openly. And uh, so... Uh, it's not the end of your the gifts that God is going to do for you as you serve Him. Uh, thank you. So uh, I just wanted to take a moment though and say thanks to a bunch of you who worked really hard and thank you. So let's pray a prayer of dedication. I know Pastor Steve was here a couple weeks, but and I don't know. Let's would you just move out towards the, towards a wall? I hadn't planned this, but I hope this microphone doesn't freak out by the speaker, but. Could we just lay hands on these walls around all four corridors a little bit and just let's pray for our city and 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 that God has placed us uniquely right here next to Culver's. Thank you, Lord. Next to Famous Dave's. Thank you, Jesus. And next to the Crow Bar and uh, where there's some real hurting people coming in and out all day, all week long. I didn't know how busy that place was. And the back doors three times busier than the front door because people don't think anyone knows they're sneaking in there. So let's just pray for our city right now, can we? Uh, I'll kind of lead, but will you just whisper your own prayers as well? Father, we just pray in Jesus' name right now for Sioux Falls and uh, just starting with the boundaries uh, with, the, with these walls and uh, that you would give us influence, that you would uh, reveal uh, our unique footprint, our unique gift that we can be as Falls Church to minister to the people that are shooting down Minnesota Avenue, that are 
that are heading in and out of the crowbar, that are coming for business or coming to eat around here. Uh, Lord, we, we believe that you uh, divinely keep leading us and, and give us insight and to know, uh, the, to trust you for the future. We pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be evident and clear. And even if those that are living in darkness uh, don't understand it, may, may they come to a point where the, the, the scales drop and truth is revealed and they can say those same words of Jacob, God was here and I didn't even know it and I wasn't even aware of it. But would you empower us as your people to, to walk in your truth, to, to obey your words, to, to dynamically allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us and use us. We pray, Lord, that this campus, would there would be a protection from every kid's classroom and around this chapel and the lobby and, and uh, that, that your protecting hand would be upon here, that we would be a family that don't take an offense easily, that we can even see things dynamically different. We can even get in fights. And, but uh, in the end, we talk through it. We're committed to each other uh, because of our commitment to you. You've called us into a body to serve together, to walk together, to pray together. And may this worship today be another, another way that we have shown our unity and our commitment to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. The difficult transition that has happened in First and Second Samuel, uh, we, which has been uh, our study of this series, Jesus, King of Kings, studying really the first kings and the last prophet, Samuel, uh, King Saul, and now King David. The difficult transition from prophet Saul to King Saul had not gone well for the people of God. God warned them when they cried out for a king that it would not go well. And as we have read through, uh, we're getting close now, First and Second Samuel, and we can see an overview, and the potential of God's people with a godly leader is great. Once the transition of power is in David's hands and Saul is dead, it looks like there are going to be some great days ahead, finally. It feels like King Trump, I mean King David, is going to make Israel great again. That, that was his campaign speech, I think. And it feels like the glory of David's reign didn't last very long either. The people of God finally are matched with a godly king, a leader that it said has, is a man after God's own heart, and he's able to bring the fractured kingdom together. And he brings God's presence in the form of the Ark of the Covenant uh, and the celebration back into the capital city, David's city, Jerusalem. And David leads by example in his jubilant worship before the Lord. Their ungodly enemies are being punished all around them. David is leading military battles, showing himself an honorable leader, uh, displaying great generosity to the only heir of his former, uh, you know, it was, Saul wasn't David's enemy, but uh, uh, David was Saul's enemy in Saul's mind, and we, and we know that. But David showing himself honorable to the ex-king's grandson, the only possible heir to the throne in Saul's family. And instead of being threatened and paranoid by uh, Methabosheth, uh, David blesses him. It would be gr great to have a journal, so to speak, of the daily life in the kingdom during these years. 
to read about lots of good decisions because, uh, to, you know, the testimonies of what was happening in the individual's lives as they come back as a people of God, as they have freedom to worship again, as they have a, a godly leader setting an example of, of jubilant praise before the Lord. It would, wouldn't it be great to have some, like, daily journals of, of, of some of these folks' lives outside of the Bible that we could kind of build a, a little bit more of a... a, 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 a more, more definition to the picture, more, more, more explanation to the narrative that's going on. Can you imagine reading the memoirs, so to speak, of Methuselah? Now that, so I understand why, why they're not around, uh, you know, living 969 years. He probably, his journal would have been pretty, pretty thick, you know, if he was a, if he was a, how many are journal people? You write in a journal here and there and uh, because you live such a good transparent life, you're not afraid if anybody reads your personal thoughts. You, there's a few of you good people out there. Unfortunately, uh, what happens is that the blunders of a person's life abruptly take over the rest of the narrative of their life. We see it all the time. People living honorable uh, day after day, week after week, year after year, and then they make Huge mistakes, and those sins become the marker of a lifetime. History can be very cruel at times when they're summarizing our lives in a sentence. The horror of reading about King David's affair and how Bathsheba ends up pregnant, and it leads to premeditated murder, corrupt collusion, attempting to cover up the affair by killing Uriah, the honorable husband and a servant to the king. And for nine months, it looks like King David gets away with murder. And when the prophet Nathan confronts King David's sin, David breaks and admits the whole thing. And this time, God doesn't remove the leader. It's interesting, isn't it, that sometimes God removes a leader like Saul, and other times God uh, continues to uh, make things right in a different way. But he does tell David, your punishment is going to be embarrassing because you've conspired in secret with this woman. 2 Samuel chapter 12 says that he, God says to David, this is what the Lord says through Nathan, out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to the one who is close to you, and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I'll do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. So the drama in the courts of King David that we read about this week have to do with David's punishment for the sexual sin and the murder he arranged and tried to hide. Pastor Dave spoke last week about the rape of Tamar by King David's son, Amnon. What followed in chapter 13 is King David's other son, Absalom, the full, the full brother of Tamar. That's what, uh, it's not explained in this particular text, but you'll find it in other areas that Absalom and Tamar are full-blood brother and sister. And... So he takes quite an offense that his sister is raped and shamed and damaged goods in the kingdom, and she goes to live with him. 
And he waits for two years to get his revenge on his half-brother Amnon for raping Tamar. Absalom runs um, after he murders his brother in a field uh, to avenge his sister's rape. Absalom runs and hides for another three years, and he's banished from the people of God and from his family. And this is where we jump in, where Pastor Dave left off in chapter 13, and I'm going to start reading in chapter 14 of 2 Samuel this week, that David is missing his son, Absalom, even after what he had done, even after what Amnon had done, but the political and the religious law has made Absalom's restoration difficult. He's hiding in a sanctuary city called Geshur. In this real-life biblical Game of Thrones, the plot gets even more twisted because, oh, what a tangled web we weave. 2 Samuel chapter 14, verse 1. Joab, son of Zeruah, knew that the, Lord's, that the king's heart longed for Absalom. So Joab sent someone to Tekoa and had a wise woman brought from there. And he said to her, pretend you're in mourning, dress in mourning clothes, and don't use any cosmetic lotions. Act like a woman who has spent many days grieving for the dead. And then go to the king and speak these words to him. And Joab put the words in her mouth. And when the woman from Tekoa went to the king, she fell with her face to the ground to pay him honor and said, Help me, your majesty. And the king said to her, What's troubling you? I am a widow, and my husband is dead. I, your servant, had two sons. They got into a fight with each other in the field, and no one was there to separate them, and one struck the other and killed him. Now the whole clan has risen up against your servant. They say, hand over the one who struck his brother down, so we may put him to death for the life of his brother whom he killed. Then we'll get rid of the heir as well, and they would put out the only burning coal I have left leaving my husband neither name nor descendant on the face of the earth. And the king said to the woman, Go home. I will issue an order in your behalf. But the woman from Tekoa said to him, Let my lord the king pardon me and my family, and let, my, and let the king and his throne be without guilt. And the king replied, If anyone says anything to you, bring them to me, and they will not bother you again. And she said, then let the king invoke the, Lord, invoke the Lord, his God, to prevent the avenger of blood from adding to the destruction so that my son will not be destroyed. She's basically getting the finer points of the law saying, I know that someone from his family has the right to track down uh, my son and kill him because he killed. And as surely as the Lord lives, David says, not one hair of your son's head will fall to the ground. And the woman said, let your servant speak a word to my Lord. She said, can I, can I talk to you openly for a moment? And he says, speak. The woman said, then why have you devised a thing like this against the people of God? When the king says this, does he not convict himself? For the king has not brought back his banished son. And this is the sermon of the day, the note of the day, preached by an amazing actor undercover and speaking to the king. She says, verse 14, like water spilled on the ground which cannot be recovered, so we must die. 
But that is not what God desires. Rather, he devises ways so that a banished person does not remain banished from him. Some of your versions say, God devises ways that the banished person doesn't remain an outcast. What a great sermon preached to King David by an unnamed woman uh, from Tekoa. And I believe this is the crux of what she's saying, if I was to break down her little sermonette. Unfortunate and irreversible things happen in life. That's what she means. Water spilled on the ground and you can't recover it. Unfortunate and irreversible things happen in life, but God can do impossible things and put, put lives back together again and make them new, changed, and restored. She's talking about the hope of reconciliation, of God's grace and forgiveness, that those things may not be forgotten, but it doesn't mean that that life has to spiral spiral out of control and estranged and away from the presence of the Lord, that God can even bring the most hardened and guilty person uh, uh, that is outcast from society, that has been so obviously wrong, there's no gray area, it's as, it's as wrong as you can be wrong biblically, and everybody in the church would have a right to stick their nose up and judge you, but God can even take them and restore them by His grace. Because by the end of chapter 14... David responds to the message and restores his son, Absalom. You can hear the logic of her argument. David, God has forgiven you. Surely God can forgive Absalom. And don't wait too long. Life is short. Be like the Lord and forgive while there's still time. Verse 33 of chapter 14. Then the king summoned Absalom, and he came in and bowed down with his face to the ground before the king. And he kissed Absalom. There are things that needed to happen to fulfill David's punishment. And as the next chapters unfold, David's son Absalom forms a coup to overthrow King David. David has to flee Jerusalem, and Absalom has sex with David's wives in broad daylight. Some uh, uh, scholars believe it was on the same porch where David had his affair with Bathsheba, that, that it was uh, you know, kind of right back in his face like that. But either way, it was, everybody knew what was going on. And why didn't David punish Amnon that, Dave, that Pastor Dave spoke about last week uh, for the rape of Tamar? Because it said that the king was furious, but he did nothing about it. And Amnon didn't seem repentive. And neither does Absalom confess or fall before the Lord, not in anywhere that we read, after he slices his brother like a open out in the field. And David is paying for his own sin through a series of unfortunate events, drawn out over quite a period of time, and rightfully so. And maybe doing nothing is, was David's acceptance of the punishment that was coming to Maybe he didn't feel he had, uh, you know, the, could make a judgmental, tough, moral stance against what his own kids were doing in light of the corrupt things that he had done with Bathsheba and against Uriah the Hittite. One could theorize endlessly about the underlying message of this passage, but one message is clear today, and it's as powerful today as when the woman from Tekoa preached it 
to the king. Like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered, so we must die. But that's not what God desires. Rather, he devises ways so that a banished person does not remain an outcast or banished from him. I've spilled a few things in my life that couldn't be cleaned back up easily. I remember my mom making me uh, beef enchilada soup a few years ago. She made a whole crock pot for me and the tortillas and the cheese you put on top and sour cream, whole crock pot for my birthday. So I told Joan, don't worry, we got supper planned. I left the church office, five o'clock, I was hungry. I had a full crock pot. Oh, my, that little Volkswagen bug, it smelled like a gourmet restaurant. I was driving home just, I mean, I started drooling down on my shirt. No, okay, but I mean, it could have could happened. And, uh, and I turned too fast and the whole crock pot just flipped over and filled the floorboard. And I, I mean, I wanted to like scoop it back up, but you know, I have girls who comb their hair in my car, so it had like human hair and, 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 and carpet and dog hair in there, you know, I was just like, oh no, I was just, I, I told Joan, I've never been so close to crying over a meal before. I was just like, I'm so hungry, and we had dinner planned, and my mom made this whole thing, I can't even, I actually ate just a little corner that was left in the crock pot with nobody around going, oh, and I think it was more torturous. Like, it was that good. <laughs> and since then, ask Joan. I'm real nervous around crock pots. I'll put, like, duct tape around the whole thing before we get a big pot of chili. We took to the, we put clear tape around it. We went out to Wildy Days We because I wasn't going to have it spill over. I remember, I remember taking another corner too fast in that Volkswagen bug, and my Vinti vanilla no-foam latte tipped over and landed in the floor mat. Cars without large drink holders should be recalled in America. All those in favor say aye. Aye. So not only was the Vinti vanilla no-foam latte gone after one tiny sip, but the $4 <laughs> was gone with it. Uh. There are things that happen, though that are irreversible. And not many are uh, memorable. There aren't many that are memorable that are as innocent as spilt milk, right? On the table. But some terrible things that many people never recover from. But God's grace and love is so huge that even when all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again, we serve a God that can. And his specialty is devising new ways of restoring people who seemed too far gone, who seemed too angry, who who seemed too damaged. Restoring those who are sometimes getting the punishment they deserve, too. Restoring those whose decisions have driven them away from family, from friends, and maybe even their calling. And what's dynamic is when the prodigal finally comes home, that the father wasn't waiting for the arrival of his statement of repentance. That the father's heart, that that's what makes the story, is the great love of the father is bigger than the colossal sins of the son. And he's simply celebrating that my son is home. 
Jesus didn't say on the cross, Father, forgive them when they figure out all the stupid things they've done. It wasn't contingent upon humanity's understanding or recognition or even their own repentance. And that is what makes the heart of God so amazing and that he devises way to bring those who are estranged. And most people that are alone, and when you talk to people, they, they, a lot of the homeless, and I, I, I can't say I'm an expert, but you hear stories where they choose to be there and, they, and they've made decisions that have, that have pushed them and made them feel like they're banished and estranged and they, they can't get reconciled back again. And God is always looking for ways to bring those who seem so far off back near Him through Christ. While we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's not when we got our poop in a group, then Christ's death was good for us. But even while we were messed up and the slop of sin was still on our clothes, he welcomes us home. Will you stand with me? Lord, I know there are some people here today that feel like uh, feel distant from you. They've made some decisions. They've, they've done some things that they feel like they, they, can't, they can't go back in time. They can't get a redo. And Lord, we know that there are so many people that, that we're connected to that, that aren't in fellowship with you, that aren't connecting with a in worship and, and with a group of people like around this room today. And they got a whole bunch of reasons why. And some of them have done a whole bunch of rotten things and they're suffering greatly for it. And some of them have a, had a whole bunch of rotten things done to them and they're suffering from it. But God, we thank you that you are about restoring that you are standing at the threshold of heaven as the, as the loving father who's waiting for his kids to come home, that is waiting to, to celebrate again and again. And would you draw, Lord, the estranged and hurting and broken and, and maybe even real homeless folks around this community near to you again? near to the people of God again, to be loved, to be appreciated, to be challenged, to walk through in life, to be counseled, maybe to be rebuked. But God, you know the plan. And we know how great the love of the Father is. Lord, help us to walk in that grace in our lives. Extend that grace to those that are around us that we connect with and to those that look far out of our reach, but you bring them to our mind that you, by your Holy Spirit, by your grace, by your great love, could pull them back near to your side. We thank you, Lord, that you devise ways 
Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you. You can find us online at falls.church or by searching Facebook at facebook.com slash fallschurch.sf.